0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Burnt Pancakes Podcast. I am your host, Katie Fenske. And like every week, I'm here to remind you that everyone burns their first pancake. Well, we are 10 days away from Christmas. I'm sure like me, you are go, go, go. You have a million things on your to-do list. Um, But I am trying to enjoy the holidays a little bit this year. Now, speaking of being busy... Next week, my kids are going to be out of school for three whole weeks, and then we're going to have company in town. So this is going to be my last podcast episode of 2023, unless you want to hear tons of screaming in the background, which you probably hear enough of. But I will be back in January with a whole new batch of conversations coming out every Friday. So Stay tuned for those. Um, But in the meantime, if you think you're going to miss me. I do want to announce that um, my New Year's Resolution Goal Getters program is now officially open. This is a 6 week training and accountability group for women. Um it starts in January and it is set up to help you set goals and actually accomplish them. So I'm teaming up with two of my friends, Christina and Megan, and we are going to be offering um Live trainings. So each week there'll be a live training over Zoom. It will be recorded if you can't make it or if your kids are distracting you too much. (laughs) Um, but it'll be once a week a live training, um, that teaches you things that are scientifically proven to help you meet your goals. So it's super excited, exciting. I'm really excited about our vision board workshop, um, teaching about a gratitude practice, um, learning about subliminals and hypnosis. So all these things that traditionally don't go into goal setting. Um, So you can find out information about that in the link in our, in the description below. Okay, now back to the holidays. So as we were putting up our live Christmas tree in our house, I was putting a tree topper on it. And I saw a big spider crawling around our tree. And it made me start thinking, why the heck do we put a giant Christmas tree in our house? And then as I'm hanging my stockings, why are we putting oversized ginormous socks on our fireplace that we don't even use anymore? Um, So I did a little research. I kind of went down a little rabbit hole of where did all these Christmas traditions come from? I found the information fascinating. And so I wanted to share that with you all. So this podcast is all about where did some of these crazy traditions that we celebrate at Christmas time come from. Now we will be talking a little bit about the origins of Santa. So if you have little ones with you, I would like to remind you to maybe listen to this um, with your headphones in um, so they don't hear. All right. So let's start with just the classic Christmas tree. Like I said, I saw a spider on mine and I thought, this is crazy. Where did this come from? So Christmas trees actually date back to the early Romans, the Egyptians, even the Northern European Druids and Vikings. So at that time, evergreen branches were used as a way to ward off evil spirits or to bring light to this time of year. Since this time of year does coincide with the winter solstice or the shortest day of the year, um, these evergreen branches became important symbols because they stay green all year long. In Germany, in the 16th century, people started the Christmas tree tradition as we know of it today by bringing a tree into their home and adding candles to it. Now, European settlers popularized this in the, um, Americas, although um, back in the time of the Puritan communities, they were considered pagan. But by the 1890s, Christmas trees were on the rise and people started decorating them with things like homemade or German ornaments, apples, nuts, and stringed popcorn and berries. My favorite ornament on our tree, my cute little preschool homemade ornaments that my kids have made. I just love those. Um the use of lights actually started on trees back in Europe when people would light candles on the tree um either as a sign of light during the winter solstice or that Jesus is the light of the world. That sounds a little bit terrifying having a live candle a lit candle on a live tree. Um so I was happy when I learned that the first electric lights, you know the string lights that we think of today were actually invented by Edward Johnson, a friend of Thomas Edison in 1882. So the next time you're untangling a string of lights, you can blame him for your troubles. (laughs) Um, Now, I did find out some interesting facts about Christmas trees. It is believed that 77% of households in the U.S. have a Christmas tree, 81% being artificial, and 19% real. I was a little surprised by that fact. We in our family are still a live Christmas tree family. For me, I just, I love the smell. I love the tradition of getting a tree. This is something I did as a family. I mean, we go to Home Depot, go to the lot there. Um, But this is something I did with my sister. And I just love having my boys partake in that as well. They are Absolutely insane when we go to look at trees. Um, one year, I caught them hiding behind the trees. I saw my sons trying to actually climb a Christmas tree. Uh, gosh, I know my sister and I never acted that way when we were looking for trees, but it is something that I think is good for them. Now, my husband and I did learn our very first year in our first home that it's important to put some waterproofing down under your tree skirt. Um, after the Christmas season, we found out that the uh, tree stand was leaking. So we got water damage all over our floor from our tree. So now every year we put down some plastic. I think it's a trash bag. My husband just tapes like trash bag plastic down. And then we put the tree stand and the tree skirt. Um, Another interesting fact is that it takes six to eight years for a tree to actually mature for your Christmas tree. So kind of makes sense why a lot of people go for the artificial tree, just because that is a long time just for one tree to sit in your house for a month. Um, Most Christmas trees are grown on a tree farm. Um, In the first week of being cut, a tree will consume three quarts of water per day. I am so glad my husband is on top of it and is responsible for watering the tree because I never remember. My tree would be dead by now if it was up to me. (laughs) Um, Another fact is that the first Christmas tree lot was opened by Mark Carr in 1851 in New York City. The White House tradition of having a Christmas tree um, started in the early 1850s by our 14th president, Franklin Pierce. Now, fun fact about our Christmas tree It does not have a star or an angel, the traditional tree topper on it. It has a small Chewbacca holding a gun. Now, story behind this. The first year we were married, my husband and I lived in a very small apartment in LA. We had a tiny, tiny mini tree that we stuck on a table. Being our first year married, my mother-in-law sent us a box of all my husband's childhood ornaments, his favorite being Chewbacca. It actually was in its original box and everything. So because the tree was so little, we hung Chewbacca on the top. Well, somehow 13 years later, it still is our tree topper. My boys think it's the funnest thing ever. And Chewbacca is hanging at the top of our tree. (laughs) All right, moving on to another tradition, you know, the, um, classic mistletoe kissing under the mistletoe. Well, I sort of wondered why do people hang that in their house and where did it become a thing that you kiss under it? So mistletoe dates back all the way to the Greeks because it was used for its healing properties. So it was used for menstrual cramps, um, spleen injuries, And then it's believed that the Roman Pliny the Elder um, used it for seizures, ulcers, and for poisoning, Um, so for curing poison. It became known as a symbol of fertility by the Celtic Druids because of its ability to grow in the winter when it's cold. And there are some North mythology stories. So I read a couple versions of stories from... Frig. Um, she declared mistletoe as a symbol of love and vowed to plant a kiss on all those who passed underneath it because um her son was resurrected from the dead and it involved mistletoe. <clears throat> so there were a couple different versions of the story, but it was in Norse mythology. Now the custom of kissing under it most likely dates back to the 1500s in Europe. It was placed. um, Oh, sorry. It was practiced in the early United States after Washington Irving referred to it in his essay "Christmas Eve." In Irving's day, um, each time a couple kissed under a mistletoe sprig, they removed one of the berries, and when the berries were all gone, so was the sprig's kissing power. So, I think it's time for me to hang some mistletoe in our house and get my husband under them. Now, there are some interesting facts about mistletoe that might surprise you. Now, mistletoe actually grows as a parasite on trees and branches. and That is right. When you hang mistletoe in your house, you're hanging a parasite in your house. Um, <clears throat> the name mistletoe comes from ancient Anglo-Saxons. Um, they noticed that mistletoe grew often where birds left their droppings. And this is how mistletoe got its name. Mistle means dung and tan meaning twig. So it kind of refers to dung on a twig or poop on a twig. Now, if that doesn't want to make you want to make out, I don't know what else will. Um, the last interesting fact is that the berries on mistletoe are actually white and are toxic to humans. So hmm, that is an interesting one to be celebrating at Christmas time. All right, moving on to stockings. I have um, five stockings hanging on our chimney and they are ginormous. They hold tons of toys on Christmas day. Uh, But I started wondering where did that actually start? How come it is a thing? So tradition of hanging stockings on a fireplace supposedly dates back to the time of a bishop named St. Nicholas, also known as Sinterklaas. And this was in Turkey in the fourth century. The story goes that a poor widowed father did not have a a dowry for his three daughters and they would have ended up being sold into prostitution. Now, St. Nicholas, hearing this, decided to secretly help the family. He left bags of gold for the girls near the chimney, one falling into a sock that was drying by the fire word of his compassion spread and he became the patron saint of children and has inspired the modern day Santa he was made a saint on December 6th and this is why children in European countries continue to leave their shoes out and receive little treats on Saint Nick's Day celebrated on December 6th now my grandparents came from Holland so this is a tradition that we continue to celebrate I celebrated this as a kid and I continue to do this for my kids um on December 5th I have them leave out we have some dutch wooden shoes so we leave those out by the fireplace and fill them with some fun dutch treats so we always do like a chocolate letter and little candies for them um the stocking tradition actually became an american tradition after the poem twas the night before christmas was published in 1823 by Clement Clark Moore. So you know the line, the stockings were hung from the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. So that is why people hang stockings or socks on their fireplace at Christmas time. But now you might be wondering, how did St. Nicholas, this kind man, this bishop giving gold to families, turn into the Santa Claus from the north pole that we know of today well the tra- tradition of leaving stockings out on the sixth did continue especially in european countries in holland kids would leave wooden shoes out um, and then dutch settlers in the u.s brought this tradition of Sinterklaas with them german american families continued a similar tradition but they called him chris kringle Over time, it kind of started to die out until the early 1800s when popular writers like Washington Irving turned this Dutch tradition into what we know as Santa Claus. The first mention of a sleigh pulled by reindeer was in a poem from 1821 called Old Santa Claus with Much Delight. In 1822, the popular poem, "Twas the Night Before Christmas, was written by Clement Clark Moore, and this was the first time the reindeer were given names. Now, in that poem, there is no Rudolph. My son, Jet, asks me all the time, where is Rudolph in this poem? Well, he didn't appear until 1939 in a book written for the Montgomery Ward Department Store. And then later in the late 1940s is when the movie and the song appeared. Now. Here's a fun fact about reindeer. Did you know that Rudolph and Santa's other reindeer might actually all be females? So only reindeer, only the female reindeer keep their antlers in the winter time. By Christmas time, most males shed their antlers and grow a new pair in the spring. So it seems like Santa is being pulled by a team of females or women. Interesting fact there. So moving on, in 1863, Harper's Weekly magazine began publishing illustrations by Thomas Nast of St. Nicholas wearing red with a big belly, toys, and smoking a pipe. Now, it's believed that the color red was traditionally worn because of his origins as a bishop, the St. Nicholas from back in Turkey. So in the next 20 years, Thomas continued to make Illustrations every year for the magazine. And it's believed that this is where, like, the modern Santa got his classic look. In 1861, Santa made his first visit to Macy's department store in New York and made his parade debut in 1924. So, Santa Claus, interesting that he started off as a kind man giving gold and now is the guy going down chimneys flying all night long, living in the North pole with his elves. All right, moving on to the classic candy cane. So candy canes are the number one non-chocolate candy sold at Christmas time. It is thought that 90% of all candy canes sold are sold between Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Now, according to history.com, Legend has it that the candy cane dates back to 1670 when a choir master at Cologne Cathedral in Germany handed out sugar sticks to his young singers to keep them quiet during a ceremony. I totally get this because we are about to take a four-hour road trip to visit family this weekend, and I plan on bringing a whole box of candy canes to keep my boys quiet. Just let them have something in their mouth that will keep them quiet so we can drive those four hours. Now, according to the story, the choir master, in honor of this Christmas occasion, bent the candy canes um, into like a hook to make it look like a shepherd's crook. Others believe that the hook was simply to hang from trees like other ornaments or fruit and treats. Not really sure exactly what it is. Many historians do agree, though, that the white candy came to the United States in 1847 in Worcester, Ohio, by August Imgard, a German-Swedish immigrant. He decorated a small tree with paper ornaments and candy canes. Now, the red and white stripes did not begin to appear until the turn of the 20th century. And it is debated whether these stripes have a religious meaning or are just good marketing and look good. Fun fact about candy canes 72% of people eat their candy canes starting at the straight end, while 28% start at the curved end. Now, I am definitely starting at the straight end, but I'm curious what you are if you're part of that other 28%. All right, now, nutcrackers. Nutcrackers are classic decorations at Christmas time, but where did they start and how are they connected to the ballet? Well, it is believed that they began in Germany and the Czech Republic in the 1600s. One story says that a rich but grumpy farmer couldn't find a way of cracking walnuts and offered a reward to anyone who did. So a woodcarver from the village made a doll with an opening and closing mouth, which was powerful enough to crack the nuts. It was a great success and the farmer rewarded the village. In the late 1700s, nutcrackers were being sold in the Dresden market where Napoleon was occupied and they were decorated to look like him and his soldiers. And this is where many believe their modern soldier look came from. In 1816, the book The Nutcracker and the Mouse King by a German named E.T.A. Hoffman was written about a girl and her toys that came to life on Christmas Eve. Now, it was thought to be a little bit scary, and so it was later adapted in 1844 by a French author, Alexandre Dumas. In 1892, Russian composer Tchaikovsky and choreographer Marianas Petipa turned it into a two-act ballet called The Nutcracker. It was first performed in St. Petersburg, but wasn't very popular. In 1934, changes were made and the ballet became more popular. It first appeared outside of Russia in England and it was first performed in the U.S. in 1944 by the San Francisco Ballet, where it is still performed every year. The Nutcracker Dolls became popular in the United States about the same time when soldiers were returning home from World War II and brought them back from Europe. Now, fun story about the Nutcracker ballet um I have yet to take my boys not because I don't think they wouldn't like it um, we just haven't gotten around to it but I do remember going when I was probably three or four. I remember being very very young. My mom likes to tell this story I don't really remember it but she tells me this all the time. Um, when we were there, I happened to notice that the male dancers, um had a bulge in their pants and i said very loud to my mom over and over mom what's in the dancer's pants what's in his pants <sighs> so i can only believe how mortified my mom was that i was shouting this in the audience of the ballet um so i guess payback is a thing and my boys have embarrassed me plenty <laughs> all right now moving on to christmas cards Sending Christmas cards are all the rage now. My favorite thing in December is to go out to the mailbox and check it to see who has sent cards. We actually hang all of our cards on a ribbon in our living room, and I love getting them. As we all scramble to get the perfect family photo or order the cards and stuff them and put stamps on them, you may be surprised to learn that the tradition of sending Christmas cards actually began in England by Sir Henry Cole in 1843. He was actually a government worker who helped start the public records office, now known as the post office together with his friend, John Horsley, they designed and printed a card with the message, a Merry Christmas and happy new year to you. And it's believed that they probably printed about a thousand cards to sell. Now, the mail card got its start when Kansas City-based company created a folded card sold with an envelope. That company was called Hall Brothers or what we know it today as Hallmark. Today, it's estimated that 1.6 billion cards are sent each year. Now, fun little thing about my own family. We have been sending Christmas cards not since the first year we were married. The first year we were married, I couldn't convince my husband. He thought they were kind of silly, just the two of us on a card. But 12 years ago, we sent our first card. It was just my husband and I. And after that year, we kind of made a pact like, let's come up with something a little bit more unique than just the two of us on a card. So we started the tradition of sending, um, I guess you'd call them unique Christmas cards. Um, So one year we did... <clears throat> like a mock-up of a classic Christmas album. We've done an action movie. We've done, we've all dressed as reindeer. This one was my favorite. We were the most infamous reindeer. So we were lined up on, um. what do you call it? Like a crime, a jail lineup. <laughs> it's a super cute one. I've got my four-month-old little jet wearing reindeer ears. So cute. Um, we did a very funny spoof on the year 2020 in a picture. Um, last year we did, um, like a pretend elf high school yearbook shoot. So I will include a link to a blog post I have of all of our Christmas cards, but it is a fun thing to do. I love sending Christmas cards every year. I love looking back at them every year. Um, it's just a fun thing. So we have learned about Christmas trees, mistletoe, stockings, Santa, candy canes, nutcrackers, and cards. I hope this was interesting to you. I hope um, that it shed some light on some of the crazy things we do this time of year. I know as moms, we feel like we've got the world on our shoulders in the month of December. So now you know why this all started. Um, I hope that this month finds you some peace. I hope you take a minute to yourself. Um, I am planning on enjoying this Christmas. I will see you all again in January. Um, And let me remind you that through the holidays, everyone still burns their first pancake. So just keep flipping. I will see you in 2024 for more conversations.